Well, again, we're so excited that you are here on this Sunday morning. You get extra credit because not only were you here for Easter, I'm sure you were here for Easter, but you're here the week after Easter. That's a good, good thing, and we're so glad that you are here. And let me tell you, last week was a wonderful Sunday as we had Resurrection Easter Sunday, and we celebrated together. And let me tell you, God did some amazing things at our services last week. We counted at least 18 people that raised their hand to make a dedication decision for Christ, and God should get some praise for that. Amen? First and foremost, that is what it is all about. You guys did such a great job inviting and bringing your friends and your family. Many of you stepped up and served, some of you serving in more than one service. And just by the way, this is not just something you did on Easter. So many of you do this week in and week out. You're the ones that is making the impact. And so thank you for that. And here's one final praise report. Last week in one of our three services, after everybody who was counted that was in multiple services serving, we had over eight hundred people come and hear the message of hope last week and we should give God praise for that. Well last week I shared with you a message on Easter Sunday and I shared with you a message entitled Victory. It's great to know that because of the resurrection of Jesus Christ we can have victory in our past, in our present, and we can walk in victory in our future. You guys, uh, we, we talked about uh, how we all love the thought of victory. Another way of saying that is we all love mountaintop moments of life. By a show of hands, how many of you in this room say, man, I like to travel? Any travelers in this place? Let me see your hands. How many of you are homebodies? If I never had to travel again, that'd be good. By another show of hands, this is a little poll I want to take. How many of you would say, uh, if you had your choices, you would choose the beach or you would choose the mountain? All the beach people in the house, let me see your hands. All right, now all the mountain people, let me see your hands. Wow, that's interesting. Actually, more folks in the mountain. Well, my family and I, we love to travel. It's just something that we love to do. And so we budget for it. We set time aside for it. We plan for it all year long. We love to travel. It's our thing. And one of the things we love to do most of all is when we are deciding where to travel, it's usually toward a beach or toward a boat. Well, about 16 months ago in the month of December, not this past December, but the December before, Lee and I and our family decided to go with a wonderful family uh, from LifePoint, and we went over to Colorado to the beautiful mountains of Colorado. And when we got there, as we were driving up, I thought to myself, man, it has been such a long time. I forgot how many, how much that I liked the mountains. As a kid, we used to go to the mountains all the time. And by the time we were up on that mountain and by the time we were in that atmosphere, can I tell you by the time that was over, I did not want to leave. I was thinking, how in the world are we going to start a Life Point Fellowship right here on the top of this mountain? I don't want to leave. It was relaxing. It was a wonderful time. I was relaxed except for the times I almost killed myself on the slopes trying to relive my youth. Life was good. I did not want to leave. It's kind of like that in life. When somebody tells you, hey, in my life right now, I'm kind of in a mountaintop moment. We all know what that means, don't we? It means that things are going good for them. 
And a mountaintop moment is kind of like they're saying, hey, I'm walking in victory in this season or moment of my life. It's on the mountaintop where we feel like we're walking in victory. We love the mountaintops. We never want to leave the mountaintops. But can I be honest with you? There's a lot of times that we have to come out of the mountain because there are some valleys that we end up walking through. Let's face it. We all face valleys in life. And I want to encourage somebody today that, yes, last week we talked about victory. But today I want to talk to you how you can still have victory even if you're facing a valley. Victory in the valley. Today we're starting a new series entitled Valleys. I want you to turn with me in your Bibles to Psalms chapter 84, verse 5 through 7. Also in your bulletins, there are some further study notes that we grow deeper together as we journey in this message and then we study further and, and discuss in life groups. And by the way, life groups is where life happens here at Life Point. Be a part of that. Well, today in this new series, I want to look at Psalms 84, verse 5 through 7. Perhaps my favorite passage of all times that speaks about valleys and how to navigate the valleys of life. I want us to read from the passage, and then I really want us to take it apart and look at the truth that it tells. Read with me, beginning in verse 5. Blessed are those whose strength is in you, whose hearts are set on pilgrimage. As they pass through the valley of Baca, they make it a place of springs, and then the autumn rains cover it with pools. They go from strength to strength till each one appears before God in Zion. Again, a question for you. Have you ever been in a valley moment in your life? Maybe you were on the mountaintop, everything was going good, and then all of a sudden you find yourself in a valley because the doctor called and gave you a report you didn't want to hear. A valley moment. Maybe you were on a mountaintop and all of a sudden you thought things were going well and that relationship began to crumble and you find yourself in a valley. Maybe you're on a mountaintop, you were trying to follow God, you had recently gave your life to Jesus and all of a sudden you find yourself in a valley. Maybe for you it was a loss of a loved one or fear, anxiety. Maybe you had something that had kept you bound. Maybe as a parent you've done what you could, but all of a sudden you find yourself in a valley. Let's face it, we all have times that we are in a valley. If that's you, you can relate to this passage we're going to look at today. In this passage, there is a valley that is mentioned. And it's called the Valley of Baca. Anyone in this place ever been to the Valley of Baca? You know where you could point it out in the map. Anybody know where the Valley of Baca is? As I suspected, most of us do not. But can I tell you a little secret? We all have actually been there, whether you realize it or not. Let me explain to you. In the original text, the Valley of Baca would be translated the Valley of weeping, the valley of tears. Now can you relate? Not necessarily to a physical place, but have you ever been through a season of tears, a valley of weeping? Then you can relate to this passage today. And you can be encouraged that there's still victory in the valley of weeping. 
See, a little background about this valley of Baca. The word Baca here is mentioned only one time in the entirety of the Bible is referencing a valley. It's a Hebrew word that is derived from Baca or to weep, the valley of tears. Scholars say that Baca refers oftentimes to a type of tree that would be found in that region. A tree that would be indigenous to a dry and a weary place. It would have sap that would come out and make these teardrops, and therefore it would be translated tears or weeping. A lot of scholars say this may have been a literal place, a literal valley. You see, you have to understand back in that time, uh, those who were Jewish, especially the males, were required to make a pilgrimage. This passage is talking about pilgrimage. And they would make a pilgrimage from wherever they lived to the city of Jerusalem to worship in the temple. They would do this three times a year. Scholars say that this was very likely a valley that was somewhere in between maybe Jordan and Jerusalem. This was a valley that was a hard and a dry place that many people, when they were on their pilgrimage to go to worship at God's house, they would have to walk through this place that was weary, that this place that was weeping in order to find their place of worship. The valley for us in our time symbolize seasons of sorrow, times of tear. Have you ever been through, or perhaps you're going through now, a valley of weeping? If you are in a valley of weeping, here's the good news. There can be victory in the valley. So I want to look at this passage a little closer, and I want to take some truths out of this passage. The first truth I want you to see in this passage is this. When we are in the valley of weeping, the valley of tears, when we walk in faith, he shows himself faithful. Listen again at verse 5. Blessed are those whose strength is in you, whose hearts are set on pilgrimage. Now, I'm going to ask a question, but I want you to be careful, and I want you to look straight ahead. Don't look to your right. Don't look to your left. Do not elbow anybody in this place or you may get yourself in trouble. Have you ever met somebody who is just set in their ways? Uh, set in. Are you sitting beside somebody who's set? If you haven't, maybe you're the one who is set in, in, in your ways. Just be, we know what we mean when we say, oh, that person is set in their ways, don't we? It means their mind is made up and there's no changing their minds. The Bible says you want to be blessed in the middle of the valley. It said, blessed are those whose hearts are set on you. Yes, I may go through a valley. Yes, I may go through a season of sorrow, but my heart is set. There is no changing my mind. I am a lifelong follower. I'm going to keep walking in faith because I know he will show himself faithful. Fixed. They have their hearts set. There's no turning back. They're lifelong followers of Christ. They are having their minds fixed. 
Oh, their hearts may be anxious, but their mind is fixed. Their souls may be aching, but their mind is fixed. Their emotion may be raising all over the place, but their mind is fixed on pilgrimage. I'm going through it, but right now I know that God is still with me in the valley. And they take every step by step by step, walking in faith so that God can show himself faithful. Notice what it doesn't say here. Blessed are those who make it in their own strength. You can't make it in your own strength. It does not say whose strength is in their self, who are self-reliant. No, whose strength is in you, God. When I am going through this trial, when I'm going through this valley, the only place that I can find strength to sustain me is God alone. And 17 people were supposed to say amen. You guys had an extra hour of sleep. Y'all should be excited today. See, the beauty of being a Christ follower is that you don't have to rely on your own strength. The Bible says when we are weak, that's when he is, is strong. Let me illustrate it this way. The first service laughed a lot at this. It hurt my feelings. I'm not even going to lie. But I told him, I said, it may surprise you. But I don't work out a lot. I don't lift a lot of weights. I mean, this is all natural right here. It's just, I don't really lift a lot of weights. Right? Surprise, surprise, surprise. Go about. But there were seasons in my life, especially when I was in high school because we played football, that we were required to lift weights on a regular basis. And when we would lift weights, we would work out, we'd work out, and then at some point throughout the season, we would do what we would call a max press. Anybody ever heard of a max press? What you're attempting to do, whether it's a bench press or a squat, you're trying to find out what the max weight is that you can carry. And so what you'll do is you will put a little more weight on and a little bit more weight on, and you're just trying to get one press in to see what is your max press. Can I tell you that as a high school football player, when we were doing max press, we were not allowed to do that thing on our own? We always had to have somebody there watching over us that we would call a spotter. And the job of a spotter was is when you had put more weight than you could carry and you were trying to lift that thing that was more than you could handle, the spotter would step in on the scene and when he saw you were in trouble, would take the weight up off of you. As Christ followers, it's not about your own strength. And guess what? We have a spotter in our heavenly father that when the life journey, the, the weight begins to get so heavy, he steps in the scene and let me carry that for you. But guess what? Not only is he a spotter, he carries the weight in the beginning. It's not your strength, it's his. And he will carry the weight in the valley of Baca. He'll assist. Keep walking in faith. Your spotter steps in and shows himself faithful. I hear it all the time, and I don't know where we get this. It's not really biblical. But we say, well, the Bible says he'll never put on you more than you can handle. Okay, show me. Oh, the truth of the matter is he says he will never, you'll never go through a trial that you'll not have a way of escape. 
He says, he and I put it. Yeah, he's, there's going to be times in our life where there is things that we can't handle because then we rely on the one who is faithful. Because if we did it in our own strength, we would glorify our own self. He says, I, sometimes you will go through valleys of weeping, but you don't have to be there alone. I have strength. I will show myself faithful. He is there with you in the valley. I love what Psalms 139 and 7 through 10. Somebody needs to write that down. It's not in your notes, but maybe you just need to rehearse this over your life this week. He is there in the valley with you. It says this, where can I go from your spirit? Where can I flee from your presence? If I go up to the heavens, you are there. If I make a bed in the depths, you are there. If I rise on the wings of the dawn, if I settle on the far side of the sea, even there your hand will guide me. Your right hand will hold me fast. You can outrun God. He is there. Walk in faith. He shows himself faith. Another thing about valleys, valleys of weeping. If you are led to it, he will lead you through it. Hey, I like that. It rhymed and I was so proud of myself. But guess what? When he leads you to something, or even if it's not his leading and you find yourself facing something, if you're led to it, he will lead you through it. Verse 6 says this, as they pass through the valley of Baca, through the valley of Baca. Every single person in this room, they've heard somebody say, listen, I got to tell you, I've been really going through it. You ever heard somebody say that? Hey, recently I have been going through it. What do they mean? They've been going through some tough times. Usually when we hear that, it's a negative connotation. But can I flip our perspective for just a moment? If you are going through it, that means there's another side to it. And then on the other side, you will be able to look through and say that God has brought me through. You may be going through something right now, but you don't have to camp out there. There is another side to it. And he will be with you every step of the way. When I was... um, Growing up in Sunday school, we used to have something called flannel graphs. Anybody remember flannel graphs? Wow, three people remember flannel graphs. Well, flannel graphs were these things where they would teach us at Sunday school, and it was made out of flannel, and they'd have these little characters, and they would tell the story as before projectors and those kind of things, and they'd tell the story putting out the little characters on the flannel graph. One of my favorite stories that they would teach us in Sunday school was a story about three Hebrew young men. By the names of Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego. And the story of these three young men is there was a king of Babylon, a wicked king named King Nebuchadnezzar. And one day he got a little full of himself and he created this beautiful image of himself. And he said that all throughout the kingdom when the music played, every single person was to bow down and worship the image of the king Nebuchadnezzar. All of a sudden, the image was placed up there, and the sound went out around the, the, the city, and everybody bowed their knee to King Nebuchadnezzar, except for Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego. They go before the king, and the king inquires of them, why will you not bow? He says, listen, we're servants of the Most High God, and we don't bow our knee to anyone but the one true God. The king gives them a decision. 
okay, you are either going to bow or you're going to burn. When the music plays again, if you do not bow your knee to the image of the king, then you're going to burn in a fiery furnace. They had a decision to make. They had a valley to face. I love what they say. They say, we will not bow to anyone other than the one true God. Even if you put us in the fire, even if we go through a valley, we will not bow our knees. God is able to deliver us. And even if not, we will only serve the one true God. Then we pick up the passage in Daniel 3.23. They did not bow. It's time to burn. The Bible says, and these three men, Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, firmly tied, were thrown. They fell into the blazing furnace, valley of weeping, a big-time trial. But check this out. Then King Nebuchadnezzar leaped to his feet in amazement and asked his advisor, weren't there three men that we tied up and threw into the fire? The advisors replied, certainly, your master, your majesty. He said, look, we threw in three, but I see four men walking around in the fire, unbound, unharmed, and the fourth one looks like unto the Son of God. They replied, said, not only are they walking around, they're unbound, and somebody's in there with them. Keep reading. It goes on to say, King Nebuchadnezzar then approached the opening of the blazing furnace that he had thrown them in and shouted out, Hey, Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, servants of the Most High God, his tune has changed. Come out and come here. So Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego came out of the fire. They saw that the fire had not harmed their bodies, nor was their hair on their head singed. Their robes were not scorched, and they did not even have the smell of fire on them. If you are led to it, he is going to lead you through it. The beautiful picture is that the Bible says that they were thrown into the fiery furnace. They were going through a valley. They were going through a time of testing. But they were not alone. Three came in. The Son of God was in there in the midst with them. And they come out. And the Bible says they weren't harmed and they didn't even smell like smoke. I just felt like when I was writing this, that boy, that was a word for somebody. I don't know the fire. I don't know the furnace. I don't know the valley you are going through. But when you get through it on the other side, you're going to come out smelling like roses. You're going to smell like you just had some of those uh, little samples at the mall, and you're going to smell all good. The fire's not even going to singe your hair. Some of that, some of you, it's easier for you. You don't have a whole lot of hair to singe, but that's another story. But you're not going to smell like smoke. You're going to walk out of that thing, and God is going to See you through it. Through the valley. And guess what? Go through the valley. Don't be content to camp out there. Some of us wallow in our misery. No, we keep stepping. Stepping by faith. And he shows himself faithful as he walks us through the valley. Here's another truth I want you to see real quick. This is perhaps my favorite of them all. When you're in the valley and walking through the valley of weeping, here's something you need to know. 
We enjoy him on the mountaintop, but we get to know him more intimately when we're in the valley. Love what the verse 6 says here. It says, they make it a place of springs. As they walk through the valley of weeping, the valley of Baca, the valley of tears, as they're walking through this valley of hardship, they make it a place of springs. The autumn rains cover it with pools. When you're traveling through the Valley of Baca, the Valley of Tears, you can remember the times on the mountain when you didn't want to leave. You remember the times where you basked in the sunshine of God's presence and his provision and his providence and his power and all of these promises. And that will help to sustain you. It's great to celebrate that on the mountain, but you really get to know that in the valley. If you never go through a test, you never have a true testimony. It's in the test, in the trials, that we learn to trust and that he is trustworthy. It's when our faith is tested that we see him faithful. That's where we get to know him. In the valley of weeping, the, the faith is built and trust is built. I don't know what valley you're going through, but in that relational conflict, in that situation where you don't know what else to do but to cry out to God, that is in the moments where you get to know him more. You rely on his promise, his promise, his presence. See, today we are in a society where we have tons of acquaintances and very few friends. Oh, you look on somebody's Facebook feed or you look on somebody's Instagram feed and they got all kinds of acquaintances, thousands of friends. You want to know who is truly a friend? Wait until you're going through a valley and see who there's, is there for you. That's when you get to know, that's when you get to know who you can trust, who cares, who is concerned, is when you go through a valley, not just an acquaintance, but a friend. Well, the Bible says we have a friend who sticks closer than a brother, a friend who will never leave us nor forsake us, that in the valley, he is right there with us. We get to enjoy him on the mountain, but we get to know him and trust him in the valley. There's an old-time poem that we used to hear all the time. We don't hear it so much, but you, I'm sure, have heard this. It's a poem about footprints in the sand. And I won't quote that to you, but you've probably seen it on some kind of pamphlet or something. And it has this scenery where there's a beach scenery and there's some footprints that are walking along. And the poem goes something like this. The point of the poem is this. On the mountaintops in the good times, I see two sets of footprints. But when I was going through a valley, when the hardship came, when the relationship broke up, when the child went crazy and, uh, and they're, they're running away from God, when that doctor's report came, it seems like in those low valley times of weeping, there's only one set of footprints. And the question is, God, why were you walking beside me on the mountaintops, and yet there's only one set of footprints in the valley. And the answer is God says, well, that's the time that I was carrying you. See, we can have victory in the valley. It doesn't mean we won't go through a valley. In this life, you will have troubles, but be of good cheer. What? That makes no sense. 
I mean, think about the breakdown of that, that, that scripture. In this, in this world, you'll have trouble, but be of good cheer. What? Got to keep reading. For I have overcome the world, and I am seated at the right hand of the Father, and I am making intercession for you, and I am cheering you on. If I am for you, who can be against you? If I am with you, what can defeat you? I am right there in the furnace. I am right there in the valley with you. On the mountaintops, we enjoy him. On the valleys, we get to know him. I love this. Just a real quick point. It says, in the valley, as they're passing through, they make it a place of springs, and the autumn rains cover it with pools. I've got to point this out. I know. I just want you to catch this. They make it a place of springs. They're digging ditches. They're, they're making the most of it. They're doing what they can do. But then it says this, and the autumn rains cover it with pools. They're making the best of it. They're making it a place of springs. But then something holy divine begins to rain down upon you. They do their part. God does his part. And he brings times of refreshing in the valley of weeping. As I was preparing this message today, I felt so strongly that that is a word for somebody in here. And that word, if you catch nothing else, is a word refreshing. That right now I am part. Right now, I don't know. Right now, I'm in a valley of weeping. But even in the middle of it, no matter what is causing it, that he brings times of refreshing. His mercy is new every morning. His goodness and his mercy follow. He will rain down upon you and bring refreshing. And finally, as the band is coming and we're going to go into a time of reflection. Final thing I want you to see. It's time to push through the pain, strengthened by his power, to the place of peace. Verse 7 simply says this. They go from strength to strength, not from weakness and defeat to weakness and defeat. No, from strength to strength, his strength, till each appears before God in Zion, these, these pilgrims. This word Zion here. Speaks of Jerusalem, the house of God, the place of refuge, the place of peace. Sometimes we are in the, the valley of weeping, but there is a place of peace. And I just want to speak over somebody because very practical. Again, I asked you, have you ever been to the valley of Baca? We all said no. I'm not talking about a literal place. Yes, I believe it was a literal place that the Bible is teaching, but symbolically... What is that valley of weeping that you're going through? I can't promise you that you'll not go through it, but you're going to get through it. can't promise you that you won't face some stuff, but he is faithful when we walk in faith. If he leads you to it, you're going to walk through it. Man, why don't you not only enjoy him on the mountain, but get to know him in the valley. Press in. Every day, God, you know what I'm going through. And right now, I don't feel like I'm looking around and I don't see your footprints. But I know you're carrying me. Press through that pain. Keep on walking. You're a lifelong follower of Jesus. Strengthened by his power till you arrive at the place of peace. 
Philippians 4 and 7, and the peace of God, which transcends all understanding. Another passage says, the peace of God that surpasses what we can understand will guard your heart and mind in Christ Jesus as you're walking through the valley of weeping. I want to end on this, and then we're going to respond. A little bit earlier when we were worshiping God, we sang the song Mountaintops. I want to reread some of those words to us. My eyes are fixed on you, not what I face, not what may stand before me. I know that you'll lead me through the desert place, the storms that rage around me. Savior, Redeemer, Defender, and Healer, I will bless your name every breath that I take. I will praise you from the valley to the mountaintops. I will lift my hands. I'm not holding back. I will praise you through the valleys to the mountaintops. Would you close your eyes and bow your heads and let's pray today. Father, I love you and I thank you. What a privilege and an honor and a humbling thing it is to share your word. God, I love to talk about victory. We don't like to go through valleys. But God, they're interchangeable because it's in the valleys that we get to know the greatness of you allowing us to walk in victory. Father, today as we kick off this new series, I don't know who's going through a valley relationally, spiritually, emotionally. Somebody's got a valley of weeping because of a doctor's report. Somebody is bound in an addiction. And they wonder, God, can, can you really walk with me through this valley? God, I pray that you would begin to encourage them. They may be going through it, but they don't have to camp out there. Keep walking in faith. You're going to show yourself faithful. Heads bowed and eyes closed. The first place in this journey is have you received Jesus as your Lord and Savior? Are you on the journey with Jesus? Do you know he died on the cross? Do you know he rose again? Do you know he came to make a way for you? If there's one person in here who says, man, my starting point is accepting Jesus as my Lord and Savior. Forgive me of my sins. Come into my heart. Make me brand new. If that's you, I want to pray over you. Even if there's one, I want to pray. You've never known God. You've ran from him. I want you to raise your hand boldly right where you're at. Anyone in this place? No others in this place. Maybe you're a Christ follower. You say, man, I'm going through a valley. And today is a reminder that even in the valley of weeping, he is there. God, I need you in a situation. God, I need you to sustain me. God, I need your strength. God, this thing, I don't know how it's going to work out. But I'm being reminded to have my faith lifted that you are for me. All over this place, you're a Christ follower. But God, you're speaking to me on another level. All over this place, begin to raise your hand right there. Let me pray over you. Father, all these hands, as I'm praying, they're representing. And they're saying, God, these are the things in my marriage, in my family, in my situation, on the job. God, it seems like a moment of the valley, but I'm going to step in faith. I'm going to step in faith. I'm going to keep walking in faith. I'm going to keep walking in faith. And as I do, God, you're going to show yourself faithful. God, I speak refreshing over somebody. Refreshing so so deeply needs to be spoken over somebody that this week they will have an assurance that you're for them and not against them. Refreshing, dear Father, we pray. I pray that their faith would arise. That they would continue to walk and you would show yourself mighty. And God, would you give them a glimpse of your glory? 
as they walk through the valley of weeping. Sustain them and strengthen them. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen.